Well, if you if you could grab your Bibles now, we're going to have a, a reading. We're going to read from God's word. And if you would, would turn to Revelation, the last book of the Bible, right at the back, we're going to read from chapter 21. And we're going to read the first five verses of Revelation. And then Dan's going to come and uh, talk to us about those and about what they mean. So let's read the first five verses of Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. Then we're going to hand over to Dan now. Oh, well, thank you so much, Rui, for leading us this evening. It's been fantastic. Well, do keep your Bibles open in front of you if you if you have them as we look through uh, this passage in Revelation, which we're really excited to go through together. But as we start, uh, I wonder if if you could enjoy eternal life in a place that was free of all suffering, that had no death, where every tear was wiped away, where every single one of your friends and your family could be, and you were surrounded by the most amazing views that you could possibly look at, but Jesus wasn't there, would it still be heaven to you? Now, before you ask, no, I haven't got the wrong sermon with me. I know it's the question that we began with a couple of weeks ago, but I wanted to start again this week with that question because it sums up so much of what this series has all been about and often uh, when I hear something on a Sunday that I guess challenges me and prompts me to think about something you know so often I end up forgetting it by the Wednesday uh, on that week and then uh, by the time next Sunday comes around it's a different topic it's a different sermon with different kinds of encouragements and challenges to reflect on And so it's good to reflect uh, more on this, because this is a series, this Presence of God series is a series all about making much of God. God, the Father, God, the Son and God, the Holy Spirit and seeing him as the greatest gift that God could ever give to us. And this evening, it's so important that that becomes our aim, because as we'll see tonight, Heaven is all about being with God fully and forever. And if we're not making much of God, then we're not going to make much of what he's promised to us. We're not going to be enthralled by the future that awaits us. And if that's the case, then what are people around us going to think when we are around and speak with those around us? 
We should want them to know how much we make of our God, how much we make of what he's promised to us, that we become more concerned, not about underselling um, how uh, overselling how great God is, but rather more concerned about underselling who God is and what he's promised to us. And tonight we are going to see the greatest news, the greatest reality that any person could ever hope, pray, wish or ask for. And especially if I wonder if we're a younger person, but but to all of us here this evening, do you know, I really want to urge us as we start and as we kind of close this series, do you know, please don't settle for believing in a small and a boring and an unimpressive dull God because nothing could be farther from the truth. And so I want to encourage us all uh, this evening to make much of God. And so keep your Bible open and, and let's keep it open and see for ourselves just how much we should really be making of God and what's ahead of us. And as we go through this passage, I've got three points to guide us through. Um, a pr- um, so the first one is a presence that adorns, a presence that adorns, verse two. Now, Revelation, this letter that we're looking at, the last uh, book of the Bible, it's written by a man called John. Uh, John, who wrote the Gospel of John and also those small letters, 1 John, 2 John and 3 John 2. And John, as it says right at the start of Revelation, uh, he's given this vision by God, very similar to other books of the Bible like Ezekiel and Isaiah. Uh, And as he's uh, writing down, uh, John is is recording for us this vision that God gives him, this glorious window that he looks through. And right at the end of Revelation, where we are now, John is giving us a glimpse not just of the present, uh, not just in a few years into the future, but he gives us a glimpse of the eternity that awaits and what it looks like. He says there in verse one of chapter 21, he says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And then further down in verse five, he says, he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. We're getting a glimpse here of what God is going to do, what God is promising for his people. And, you know, we keep saying, don't we, that heaven is eternity but actually it's more like a new creation as we see here everything god is making is new Uh, god's not renovating creation he's not papering over the cracks in the ceiling it's a complete rebuilt he's making everything new and john having seen the old pass away in verse one he then sees the new come in verse two Look with me. Uh, He says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. uh, I've got to tell you a really funny uh, TV program that I I really do like watching is a program called Don't Tell the Bride. And I know you might be thinking, come on, Dan. Uh, what on earth are you doing? Uh, but hear me out. Hear me out here. 
Uh, and for those who haven't seen it, the basic premise of the of the TV show is that there's a couple who want to get married and well, the groom has got to plan it all. He's given total charge of the whole budget, of the location, everything, even down to choosing the bride's dress. I mean, it's, it's like TV gold here. And the story is just always the same. You know, the bride explains how she's got it all planned in her mind. She wants this glorious wedding at Downton Abbey. Uh, and then it cuts to the groom uh, who's blown half the budget on the stag night. And uh, he's got the rest of the budget and he's booked to a bouncy castle to get married on. And then they all cue uh, emotional bride, angry bridesmaids. And it's just one big mess, to be honest with you. But, you know, here, John points us to this wedding that is taking place, a wedding where everything has been prepared for the bride. The location, the dress, uh, it's all been thought and given to her. A wedding where the bride will finally be reunited with her husband. It's a beautiful, it's a glorious wedding. Nothing goes wrong here. And we might be wondering this evening who the bride is, uh, who's the husband of this wedding, whose wedding are we getting a glimpse of this evening? Well, the short answer is it's yours. <laughs> this holy city coming down, this new Jerusalem prepared as a bride represents the people of God, those who love and trust the husband that they are to be united with forever, the Lord Jesus. And the bride, it says, is, is beautifully dressed. It symbolises the way in which uh, the church has been made holy, blameless, pure, spotless through what Christ has done on the cross. All of our wrong and our guilt and our shame, it's been removed from us. And we've been given new clothes to wear by Christ. His clothes, glorious, without spot. You know, as 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 says, it says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. And I love uh, trying that image with what we're reading here in Revelation. Christ suffering in the place for our sins to bring us to God. He's made us beautifully dressed before the presence of God. All of our shame, it's been washed. And he's done it in order that he might bring us to himself. In one sense, you could say that Jesus died so we could attend this wedding so that you and I could walk down this aisle to himself to be united with him. So that in marriage, it's that picture of, of being united, that everything Christ has, he shares with us. All that he is, he gives to us within the love of God. And, and we might this evening, I don't know, we might struggle, especially for guys uh, tonight, to think of these terms in, in a bride and a wedding. It might seem to us all a bit princess diaries for us. But you see, it's anything but. You see, marriage is a wonderful illustration. Uh, because marriage, it's a covenant, isn't it, between two parties. It's two people being united together, Christ and his church that he died to save, united forever. Christ, he died so that his wedding could take place, so that he could be united with his church, his people that he loves. 
so that everything Christ has inherited, he might be able to share with us. He might adorn us with the same things, a glorious inheritance to look forward to. This is a presence. This promised presence is a presence that adorns us, makes us holy, makes us beautiful and glorious in his sight as we trust in the one we're united to, the Lord Jesus. But secondly, this evening, it's also a presence that abides, abides. Verse three. You see, here's what we mean when we talk about a promised presence. Look with me. Aren't these amazing words in verse three? It says, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. Now, do you know, if we'd read our Bibles from Genesis all the way through to the end here at Revelation 21, and this is the moment that we would literally jump out of our chairs and we would shout, finally, finally, it's happened. Uh, because as we saw in our introduction weeks ago as we started this series, this is almost the central thread that runs right through the Bible story from beginning to end. The story of how God can be with his people for good. And this language that we've just seen in verse three uh, of Revelation 21. Do you know it's language that's used time and time again in the Old Testament? Uh, for example, Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 27, uh, God promises way back then what we're seeing now in Revelation. Uh, it, it says this in Ezekiel it says, My dwelling place will be with them, I will be their God, and they will be my people. Then the nations will know that I, the Lord, make Israel holy when my sanctuary is among them forever. And similarly, in in places like Zechariah, chapter eight, verse eight, it says, I will bring them back to live in Jerusalem. Remember, in Revelation, it said the new Jerusalem was coming down. I'll bring them back to live in Jerusalem. They will be my people and I will be faithful and righteous to them as their God. Do you know, this is right at the heart of what the Bible is all about and what the Bible shows us, how God has worked in history in order to dwell and live with his people for good. And that's why going through this series is so important about the presence of God, because we just need to grasp how significant God's presence is, because this is the great crescendo of the Bible story. Revelation 21 verse 3, God is with his people for good and nothing will change that. This is why the gospel doesn't just stop with the news of Christ and the cross. It doesn't just stop with the news that Christ has been victorious in his resurrection. But the gospel leads us to this, that God has made a way for us to be with him forever this is where the gospel leads us what the gospel has accomplished for each of us here this evening the good news is that we get God the good news is that we get God 
And, you know, as we've gone through these five weeks together, seeing how completely holy God is, how his glory is just incomparable to anything else, seeing how his presence is something that totally satisfies, something that is treasured, something that is with us even now at this moment by his Holy Spirit. Do you know, I hope as we've gone through this and I hope as we've just read that verse, verse three, seeing how this presence is one that abides forever. I hope we see this as amazing news, as the greatest news we could hear. The good news is that we get God and his presence abides with us. And thirdly, this evening, uh, we see that it's a presence that restores, a presence that restores, verse four. Now, think back to that question that we reflected on right at the start that we've been coming to uh, throughout this series. It's a challenging question, isn't it? Because when we read through those things, that list, uh, no more death, no more pain, everything broken uh, that's restored. There's something, isn't there, that is longing for a world like that. When we read that list, that does seem like heaven to us because we long for a world like that. And, you know, at the moment, that longing, I'm sure, in our hearts is just amplified all the more. I know that there are days myself where I get to the end of it and you go through and you see so many things and you're crying out to God, Lord, would you do something about this? Would you fix it? This it surely isn't what is meant for us. Lord, we know something isn't right. We know and we see all around us every single day, don't we, that this world is marred in some way. It's scarred in so many ways. And we long, we know deep down that there is something not right. And I believe that this is something, this is a longing uh, that is in the heart of everyone. Whether we're atheist or agnostic or, or a believer this evening, that longing is shared in all of humanity as we live and we experience the trials and the pain of this world. We all want to live in a world that is free and rid of all of those things that we mentioned. And, you know, it's not wrong to desperately long after this because in this passage that we're looking at this evening that speaks about God drawing near to us of God's people living with God forever. It goes on to show how this presence is one that beautifully restores everything we're longing for. A presence that gives us life in all of its fullness that we crave and we desire. Look with me at verse four. It is honestly so beautiful. Verse four, it says he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. You know, when we look at this wonderful list of this world that God's people will one day enjoy. Do you know, we've got to focus on how we will be able to enjoy this. It says he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Everything we see here, everything that we will one day inherit and receive is here because he's there. 
God himself, the Lord Jesus, is there. In fact, when you think about it, you can only wipe someone's tear away from their eyes if you are in their presence. There can only be no more death if you are in the presence of the one who is life. The one who in John, the gospel of John, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. We can only enjoy God's wonderful presence, his gifts that he gifts because we're in his presence. This promised presence that we're seeing is a presence that will restore all the things we long to see restored. And so this evening, doesn't it make sense? Doesn't it make so much sense this evening that in all of our longings for things to be made new, for this world to be restored, for all of our pain to be removed and comforted, for there to be a world that we may never again experience the trials that we face. Doesn't it only make sense that we go to the one, the only one who promises and is able to do something about it? The Lord Jesus. Jesus is not just the answer to the problem with sin that separates us. Jesus is not just the the answer for that longing of satisfaction in life and fulfillment. Jesus is is not just even the answer to humanity's great enemy of death. Jesus isn't just the answer for this broken world that we live in at the moment. The answer to the hurt and the pain that we face. But Jesus is himself the greatest gift that we could ever know. To know relationship with him and to be in his presence one day is the greatest thing that we could ever know. And in that presence, we receive everything else that our hearts long for. And so if we long for any of those things that we've listed out this evening, well, then go to him, the one who is able and the one who promises that in his presence, They will all be made new and all be wiped away forever. It's a presence that restores. So where does this all leave us this evening? Uh, Where does this leave us at the end of this series as we've gone through the presence of God, as we've come to the right to the end of Revelation? Well, you know, I've just got three very short piece of where this leads us. Three short piece. Prepare, pursue, persist. Firstly, prepare. Why? Well, do you know, if this is what's been promised to us, doesn't it make sense to prepare ourselves for it? We saw earlier that this promised presence begins with a a wedding that takes place, a wedding for all those who love and trust the Lord Jesus to, to be united with him forever. And yet, who doesn't prepare for not just a wedding, but their own wedding? You know, there is a reality that every single one of us will be confronted by in life. We will be confronted one day with this promised presence. And yet, as Charles Spurgeon once said, he said, we think too little about heaven and not too much. If we knew where we we were going on, uh, going somewhere on holiday, we would probably prepare ourselves with everything that we needed for it. We might look up reviews. We might find new phrases that we'd be able to say. We would prepare for what was to come. 
And yet, you know, as I've been thinking about that, I've caught myself thinking how little I prepare now for the eternity that awaits me. How little I think about what's to come. How little I really know about Jesus, the one that we as a church will be united with one day. And that I will spend eternity with. So let's prepare. Prepare our hearts and our minds this evening for this promised presence to come. But secondly, pursue. This whole series has been about making much of God and making much of him. Seeing God as the greatest gift that God could ever give. And I hope that this has been helpful in that aim. And I hope that like so many people that we see and we read about in the Bible, that we would pursue Christ with every fibre of our being, knowing that it's his presence that truly satisfies our hearts. To pursue, to pursue, to pursue knowing Christ, encountering Christ in his word, speaking to Christ in prayer, to pursue him. That's where the joy and the satisfaction that we long to is to be found. And finally, persist. Do you know, I I realise having said all of this and going through this series, I realise that even now, uh, when we hear all of these things, it, it might be that we don't necessarily chime. It doesn't necessarily chime with how we feel a lot of the time. The Christian life is a hard one, isn't it? We fall down, we fall short. We get distracted. We get cold. You know, I think of that hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, where it says, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. And when we hear of this series about preparing and pursuing God, knowing the joy and the satisfaction that's to be found in him, of of thrilling our hearts with the hope of heaven. Do you know, maybe we find it hard this evening. To resonate with that, to to, to sense that spark in our own hearts. And that's why I say finally persist. Do you know, as we seek to treasure and to know God as the greatest gift that God could give. As we seek to pursue our joy in Christ, to anchor our lives in him. Do you know that unfortunately doesn't often come overnight. It's not often about that one 10 second prayer that we give we need to persist we need to persevere through the tough mornings the days that we wake up cold and we feel distant from the God that we long to draw near to to persist again and again day and day after um, week after week drawing near to Jesus persistent in prayer asking that God would do this work in our hearts by his spirit that he has uh, put in us persist well if you could enjoy eternal life in a place that was free of all suffering that had no death where every tear was wiped away where every single one of your friends and family could be where you had the most amazing views to look out every single day but Jesus wasn't there would it still be heaven to us this evening well do you know This evening, as we reflected on God's glorious promised presence, well, let's prepare ourselves this evening, pursuing Christ and persist through the good days and the tough days to treasure Christ 
and to make him our heaven. Let's pray together. Our Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that we read of your promised presence with us, that one day we'll be in your presence. We will be united with you uh, as a bride is united to a groom. So the church will be united to you, Lord Jesus. We thank you so much that at that point it will be the great triumph where God is finally among us, your people. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that by your spirit, you would spark in our hearts a desire and a joy that longs to know you, that prepares ourselves for this promised presence that we will one day experience. Our Lord Jesus, we pray that we would go to you in our times where we look at this world and we realise it's so broken, it's so painful. We go to you knowing that in your presence one day, everything will be restored. Everything will be made new. You will wipe away each of our tears because we will be with you in your presence. Help us, Lord Jesus, to long for you and to pursue you every single day till that day that we are in that promised presence that you promise to give all who trust and who love you oh lord jesus we pray and we ask all of it for your glory that people might look at us your people and see the joy and the passion and the heart that we have for knowing and being with you we pray that we would make much of you this week and it would be to your glory Amen.